Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, my future paleontologists. I hope everybody is doing well and staying safe and studying all these amazing prehistoric animals that once lived on this planet. I'm Dinosaur George coming to you from the San Antonio, Texas area right here in the world famous DG studio. If any of you ever come to the San Antonio area, contact us through our dinosaurgeorge.com website or contact us and become a member of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page and uh, we'll do everything we can to try to see if you can stop by and say hello. Can't promise everybody, unfortunately, because I'm not here a lot and because we have so many things scheduled. But anyway, Something to think about. Want to give a couple of shout outs to some schools that I spoke to. Thousand Oaks Elementary in San Antonio, Texas. Did a virtual lesson for them last night. Had a great time. Miller Elementary in Arlington, Texas. They're getting ready to do a bunch of lessons for them. And of course, my friends at West Bank Library in Austin, Texas. This this makes, oh my gosh, probably the fifth or sixth lesson I've done. I do one for them once a month, and I really enjoy it, and I really enjoy all of their uh, all of their participants. And then Westbrook Elementary in New Jersey, I was able to do a couple of lessons for you guys. Enjoyed that very much. And then Sem Elementary in Frisco did f- wrapped up a bunch. I did I think I did six lessons for Sem, five or six, and I enjoyed all of them. And then I did a bunch of private lessons and some birthday lessons. And speaking of birthdays, I've got to give a shout out to Maggie. Maggie's birthday is today. Today is uh, February 3rd, and it's Maggie's birthday. So happy birthday to you, Maggie. I know when Bridget was here, I think uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex sang happy birthday to her. But uh, so Maggie, happy birthday. Don't I didn't want you to think I forgot. Okay, so there's your shout outs for all the people that I've seen. And if you are interested in a private lesson, well, then this is for you. Hey, kids, you can have a private virtual lesson with Dinosaur George. Have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. Visit our store at DinosaurGeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at DinosaurGeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Get out your nail clippers, because we're going to talk about Therizinosaurus. Therizinosaurus is an amazing dinosaur with one of the coolest looking uh, sets of claws you've ever seen. Now, the word Therizinosaurus is a little confusing because in English, that means scythe lizard. But for a lot of you guys, you've never seen a scythe. You don't even know what a scythe is. Let me explain what it is. A very, very long time ago, back before they used a lot of uh, electrical or gas-powered equipment, farmers had to cut down their crops so they could take them in and, uh, you know, get them out of the field. A scythe was something that was used for that. It was kind of like, have you ever seen an image of the Grim Reaper and that pole he carries with a big hook on it? That's what a scythe is. A scythe was something used to gather uh, crops in the field. So scythe lizard gets its name because of that big hooked, sharp blade that is that resembles the claws of Therizinosaurus. 
Therizinosaurus is a little bit of a mystery, mostly because there's not a lot of it that's been found. And now over time, they found enough pieces of Therizinosaurus and its relatives to kind of put together a pretty good idea of what this animal looked like. But it's very unique looking. Now, it was discovered in 1948 in China, Mongolia. It, this animal roamed in what is now Mongolia. It was, it was very confusing to the people that found it. In fact, they thought the giant claws actually were the fingernails of a giant turtle or a sea turtle. So they assumed that this thing was a turtle for a little while. But as more evidence began to be uncovered, they found very quickly it's not. Now, Therizinosaurus belongs to a family called the Therizinosauridae. And within that family, there's about eight, maybe seven or eight different members, maybe more than that, maybe 10 different members. And they all have similar features. But Therizinosaurus is the biggest of the bunch. It is the largest of the bunch, and it certainly has the longest claws. There is debate, mostly coming from me about the function of those claws. We'll talk about that in a moment. Therizinosaurus is an herbivore. That's at least what the paleontologists believe. Based on its skeleton and based on the pieces of other members of that family. So, a lot of people believe it is an herbivore. But the Therizinosaurids are considered theropods. That means they come from the meat-eating side of the dinosaur world. Their ancestors were carnivores. So herein lies the concern about Therizinosaurus. Now, it's certainly possible that dinosaurs over time changed their diet, that they went from being carnivores to herbivores. That happens. That happens in, in the animal kingdom sometimes, or vice versa. Some may slowly become carnivores. It has a lot to do with the environment they live in and what kind of food is available to them. So Therizinosaurus has this big round belly. Now, big round bellies are really used for plant eaters. You see, when a plant eater eats, it's got, it takes a long time to decompose plant material. So they want that great big stomach so they can hold a large amount of plants so that the plants sit there. It takes them longer to digest. So they want a bigger stomach so that there's plenty of food to continuously break down as the bacteria inside of their stomach slowly breaks it down. Their body absorbs the nutrition. So you want that's why plant eaters tummies are huge. That's why cows have a big stomach and horses have a big stomach. And that's why. Uh, cats have a small stomach and dogs have a small stomach and humans because our bodies can de decompose. Well, not humans because we're omnivores, but those other animals I mentioned have smaller stomachs because they're eating meat. A carnivore eats meat and it doesn't take very long for the, for the digestive system to decompose it. So you don't want that great big heavy stomach because if you're chasing something around, you don't want to have the excess weight. So carnivores are usually more slender. Herbivores have a more barrel. We call it a barrel shape. Big round tummy. That's Therizinosaurus. It walks on two legs. It did have a tail. It had a tail, relatively long tail, but it had a long neck, sort of like a sauropod. It is an odd mix of animals. So it, just to give you an idea of size, it probably grew to about 10 meters. That's about 33 feet long. That's from the nose to the tail. That's a big animal. And it probably weighed three tons, which is like 3,000 kilograms. It's heavy. This is a big animal. They lived in the late Cretaceous about 70 million years ago, and they're found in Mongolia. Now, they're amazing animals, but it's those claws that are the most interesting of all. The claws, the longest claw measures about 20 inches. That's about 50 centimeters. That's a big claw. There's three on each hand. But it is the function of those claws that is the mystery. Now, each claw is a different size. There's a small, medium, and large claw on each hand. And they're, they're relatively sharply curved, and they would have been covered with a fingernail that would have made them a very effective weapon. So the question becomes, then, what were they using them for? Well, everybody I speak to always says the same thing. 
they reached up into trees and pulled down the limbs so they could get more leaves. There's a problem with that theory. Their head reaches higher than their arms. If their arms can't reach above their head, how are they pulling down limbs? That doesn't make any sense. To me, it's not going to reach up. I mean, if you're standing up with your head and you can reach the food with your mouth and your arms are shorter than your head, how are you pulling food down? I could see if it could reach over its head. That would make all the sense in the world, but it can't. Its arms are not designed to do that. So then people said, okay, well, then maybe it used it to like uh, uh, tear into termite mounds. We've heard that, but that doesn't seem very likely because it's such an enormous animal. I'm not sure if they could do that or not because these claws are really long. I don't know necessarily if they're strong enough to break through termite mounds to get to the food. It's an interesting idea, and maybe they did. Maybe they supplemented their diet. Maybe they weren't strictly herbivores. Maybe they were also insectivores. Maybe they could use those claws to rip apart rotten trees to get to the grubs inside. Maybe that's what they did with them. But I do not believe in the idea that they were reaching up to pull down limbs. That's the most common one, and I just disagree with that because that doesn't make any sense. The arm simply could not reach above its head to pull anything down. It would it would be able to reach about chest high, but if your head is six feet higher than that, what, what exactly are you pulling? You can't reach around and pull the whole tree over. So I think those claws could have been defensive. Maybe those claws are used more as a defensive weapon to be to to protect itself from something that's attacking. I don't know. That's just my guess. But lastly, I want to say this. I am still not convinced that they are strictly herbivores. Those claws to me, because they are curved and very thin, that to me appears to be weapons. If they were reaching up into bushes to pull down the leaves, I don't think they would have a sharp edge. I think they would have a flattened edge. So, and they're not cutting down limbs with them. That's not how they function. Maybe they were used as a way to kill something that they preyed upon. Maybe they were used to cut through, uh, like I said, rotten wood to get to the grubs inside. I don't know. I may be completely wrong, but in science, there's one lesson that I've learned that is incredibly important. And that lesson is never say never because you do not know what tomorrow's discovery will find. And what new things are going to be answered. All right, my friends, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will do the Ask Dinosaur George uh, questions. Do you or someone you know like fossils, rocks and minerals? Our web store is filled with amazing crystals, geodes, real fossils and replica dinosaur claws, teeth and more. Our prices are affordable and we do not add excessive shipping fees. Go to dinosaurgeorge.com and order your items today. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right. Got some really good questions that uh, have come in from a variety of different places. As you all know, if you would like to ask a question, you can go to uh, dinosaurgeorge.com and click on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. There's a little form that you fill out and you hit send and it comes to us. Another way you can ask is if you go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. You have to join, but it's free, of course. You can submit your questions through there as well. So here we go. First question comes from Alondra, a friend of mine, by the way, uh, who's nine years old, lives in San Antonio. Said, hi, Dinosaur George. This is Alondra. Hey, Alondra. Nice to see you. She said, I'm with Thousand Oaks Elementary, which this school I just spoke at last night. Uh, I have a question for you. 
My question is, did cavemen live in the time of dinosaurs? They didn't, Alondra. Uh, humans come along millions and millions of years after dinosaurs are gone, which is probably a good thing because <laughs> some of those dinosaurs are pretty scary looking animals. I don't know if I want to share my planet with uh, with something like some of those creatures. So, yeah, it, it all the fossil evidence tells us that humans come along way after the age of dinosaurs. All right. This is Michael, age 10, from New South Wales, Australia. How long was Lyplorodon? Excuse me. Hi, Michael. Glad to have you with us. Glad to have everybody from over in Australia. Boy, you guys have really, really begun to listen to the podcast. You must be running around telling all your friends because your country is moving up in the list of the top 10 countries that listen to my podcast. So Australia, coming on strong. So how long was Lyplorodon? Well, for those of you that may not recognize the name, Lyplorodon was a giant swimming reptile, four really big flippers, and an enormous head. It didn't have a long neck like a plesiosaur, and it didn't have that snake-like body of a mosasaur. This belonged to a group called the pliosaurs. They were heavy-duty, really big animals. I've seen so many different estimates in size, Michael, but I think the most recognized, or the most accepted among the science community is that Lyplorodon was about six meters long or about 20 feet so it was a big animal. I mean, it's a very, very large animal. It's certainly something you would not want to meet um, if you were ever out there swimming in your uh, in, in the coast. All right. Uh, this next question is from Serafina, age nine, from San Antonio. Hi there. You might remember me from the Thousand Oaks Zoom meeting. I do remember you, Serafina. I remember you very well because of your name. My question is, do you know how many dinosaurs there were in the entire world? Great question, Serafina. There's no way to know that for sure, because sometimes when an animal dies, it never becomes a fossil. When any animal dies, whether it dies today or 65 or 100 million or 200 million years ago, excuse me, when the animal dies, if it lays on the surface of the ground, a lot of things happen to it. Like, for instance, um, scavengers can come in and eat it. Bacteria will come in and literally break it down to absolutely nothing but the bone. And so all that's left are the bones. Now, if the bones are laying in the sun, they bake hard and become very brittle, meaning they break very easily. Then at night, as the temperature cools down, those bones will begin to kind of shrink. But the next day, when it warms up, they expand again. Well, that happens over and it's so tiny, you can't really see it. But it happens so many times, they begin to crack And over time, they literally turn to dust. So if an animal is buried, if we're lucky enough that it gets buried in something like mud or sand or ash from a volcano, then the bones can become a fossil. So the only dinosaurs we know about are those that were lucky enough for us to be buried in some kind of sediment. So there's no way that we can even estimate how many dinosaurs there were because we don't know if what we're finding is only 1%. Maybe it's 80%. We just don't know. All right. Dino Geek from Calcutta, India. Beautiful Calcutta, India. Boy, I want to go there. Greetings, Mr. Blessing. Hey, Dino Geek. What a polite thing to call me, Mr. You do not need to. I think of you guys as friends, but that demonstrates your your courtesy, and you should be proud that you are a polite person. Hope you're, keep, uh, hope you're keeping well. I am Dino Geek, and hope you are too. My question for you is, is Tarbosaurus closely related to, and boy, let me see if I can pronounce the name of this animal. It is Zuchengi Tyrannus. I think that's it. Zuchengi Tyrannus? Zucheng Tyrannus? So his question is, is Tarbosaurus more closely related to that dinosaur than T-Rex? Okay, my understanding of the discovery of the dinosaur, in which name I can't pronounce apparently, I believe they only found its teeth. I think they only found jaw sections, right? And now the teeth were very distinctive. They were very distinctive teeth. But I don't know if there is enough evidence in that to determine who would be the most closely related to it if you don't have some of the other pieces of the puzzle. So to my understanding, it's a poorly known specimen, meaning there's not a lot of bones. And until now, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I certainly apologize. I just I don't get the opportunity to to 
study any of this stuff before I answer these questions. I never have the chance to do that. I just get the questions handed to me and I just read them and answer them. So I wish I could have had a little time to research this to determine. But to my knowledge, not enough of that dinosaur has been found to be able to say with any certainty that that's the case. Okay, Eric, age nine from Frisco, Texas. If Spinosaurus has a sale for catching sunlight, then why do Suchomimus or Baryonyx not have the sale? They're from the same family. This is an excellent question, Eric. You're right. Suchomimus and Baryonyx are Spinosaurids. So why do they and some of the other members of the Spinosaurid family, why do they lack sales? Well, a sale is necessary to replace, in my opinion, the sale replaces body heat. That's what I believe the sale was for, to replace body heat. And since Suchomimus and Baryonyx do not appear to be as aquatic as Spinosaurus, they may not be spending as much time with the majority of their body in the water. So if you're standing on the shore and only your legs up to your hips may be covered, you're not losing the same amount of body heat that you are if you are more submerged. Looking at the flexible tail of Spinosaurus, the assumption would be that the tail would be used to help it swim. And that suggests that they're spending more time in the water. So in my opinion, Eric, I believe Spinosaurus had the sail because it spent more time with its body submerged in more water than its cousins, Suchomimus or Baryonyx. Now, Eric also asked this. Here's Eric's joke. What animal is always happy? The answer, Smilodon. That was good, Eric. Congratulations for having such a wonderfully terrible joke. I like that. That was good. Okay, Elizabeth, age 10, from New Jersey. Have you ever found a whole dinosaur skeleton? Elizabeth, I haven't. I have found pieces and parts throughout my life, but I've never been fortunate enough to find a whole skeleton. I found some big pieces. I found uh, what it turned out later on to be the tail of a dinosaur. I didn't get to stay there to dig it up, but I found it. Uh, but, we, you know... Whole dinosaur skeletons are very rare. You guys might be surprised because when you see in a book or you see a TV show or a video or a movie, they always show this whole dinosaur being excavated. Well, that's just because they want, want it to be exciting, but that's usually not the case. Most of the time, we're only finding pieces apart in parts. All right. Uh, Simran, age 10 from Frisco, Texas. Are some of the animals you showed us in the time when humans were alive? Now, in your case, Simran, I remember you were learning about prehistoric mammals. So the answer is yes. There were humans living alongside of some of the animals I showed you. Animals like the saber-toothed cat, the short-faced bear, the dire wolf. Those animals are living during the Pleistocene, during the Ice Age. Woolly mammoths, they're living during the Ice Age. There are humans then. So yes, imagine how hard life was. And how scary life was to think about the kind of things that were living alongside of early humans. And remember, early humans didn't have cars. They didn't have motorcycles. They couldn't get in a plane and fly it off. <laughs> so they were, they were having to live with some very dangerous animals. And this last question comes from my little buddy, Ethan, who's a Patreon club member. Ethan wants to know if Acrocanthosaurus is a Spinosaurid. This is a great question. For those of you that may not know who Acrocanthosaurus is, it's a very large carnivore, bipedal, meaning it walks on its back legs, and it has sort of a ridge that runs down from the back of its neck to the base of, to the base of its tail. So that ridge sort of kind of looks like a small sail. It's not nearly as tall as the sail of a Spinosaurus. But actually that ridge does not, it's, there's not enough in the skeleton to put it into the family of Spinosaurids. Acrocanthosaurus fits into its own group. So Acrocanthosaurus has a lot of dissimilarities, Ethan. There's a lot of things that are very different about Acrocanthosaurus that uh, there are more differences than there are similarities. All right. So again, if you'd like to ask a question, please send it to me. But right now, it's the part of the show that everybody says they love. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? 
Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. Got some real good ones. Got some real good ones. This first one comes from my very good friend, Hennessy, who I've known for a very long time. As a matter of fact, Hennessy and I were in the newspaper together once where a photographer happened to see she and I speaking about something and they took our picture and put it in the newspaper. So Hennessy is a movie star. Hennessy, who was, of course, a Tyrannosaurus Rex member of the Patreon Club. Hennessy says who would win Guanlong versus Dimetrodon. I like this battle. I like this battle. All right, Guanlong is bipedal dinosaur walking on two legs. Dimetrodon is the four-legged mammal-like reptile from the Permian. Guanlong has a couple of advantages. One is height. And when you're taller, it simply means you can lean down and use your teeth long before your, your adversary can get to your legs. So being tall has an advantage. Guanlong is taller, so it has an advantage. Dimetrodon... Well, let's keep looking at Guanlong. Guanlong has relatively flexible fingers. It probably could use its claws, and it certainly has very sharp teeth. And being that Guanlong comes from the family of Tyrannosaurs, that certainly makes us a a probably semi-intellectual dinosaur. Now you look at Dimetrodon, and what have you got? Well, you got Dimetrodon's low center of gravity, meaning that it could turn very, very quickly. It could spin around very quickly. It has very big teeth. It certainly has claws on its hands, but it has that sail on its back. It's not a Spinosaurid. This is an animal that lived in the Permian before the age of Spinosaurus. So the sail, to me, would be the thing that would be the most trouble for Dimetrodon. Because the sail is not a weapon. You can't slice things open with it. Boy, that'd be awesome if you could. Can you imagine running between the legs of an attacker like Guanlong and literally slicing it open? Ugh. What a way to go. But that's not the way the sail functioned. It's not like that. It could probably be broken pretty easily. So if these two animals attack, Guanlong is probably immediately going to bite into the sail. Now, the sail probably had a nerve endings. The, the Dimetrodon could certainly feel it. But if there's one place you want to get bitten, if you have to choose, the sail is the place to get bitten. Because while Guanlong crunches down on that sail, that allows Dimetrodon to spin around and grab its legs or its hands with its mouth. And once that happens, Dimetrodon probably has a very powerful bite, sort of like a pit bull. When it bites, it doesn't let go. That dinosaur could could be in trouble because Dimetrodon could inflict some pretty heavy injuries. But I I believe in this case, Guanlong is going to be a little better suited in this particular battle. So I'm going to choose Guanlong. All right, Bennett sends one and says, Eoraptor versus Herrerasaurus. These are two Triassic dinosaurs. Really interesting. Living at the same time in the same place, these animals definitely saw each other. They definitely saw each other. So Herrerasaurus has all the advantages in size, probably in speed, certainly in weapons. Eoraptor's only option is speed. And it could probably maneuver very quickly. So if it's being chased, all it has to do is run into brush and it can zip through that very quickly. Herrerasaurus can't turn its body fast enough. Eoraptor's going to figure out a way to launch an attack from the rear. Meaning while Herrerasaurus is looking for its adversary, Eoraptor's using its tiny size to hide. Maybe Eoraptor had the ability to climb. If he does, he's going to climb up a tree. And if Herrerasaurus walks beneath that tree, Eoraptor could certainly drop out of the tree and land on his back. And that's where he could do some damage because Herrerasaurus's arms cannot reach around to its back and it cannot turn its head all the way around to reach to its back. As long as Eoraptor doesn't lose its grip, he could inflict a lot of injuries. But I believe, unfortunately for little Eoraptor, if he's ever shaken or thrown off and that thing hits the ground, Herrerasaurus is going to be on him in a heartbeat. And Herrerasaurus has really big teeth, especially halfway down its upper jaw. It's got some great big oversized teeth. One crunch and that battle would be over. All right, Lauren sends one. 
Andrew Sarkis versus Smilodon. These are two um, Cenozoic fighters, and I like this matchup. Andrew Sarkis looks like a giant dog who's related to a bear, and Smilodon is the giant saber-toothed cat, who, remember from our previous terrible joke, is the happiest of all animals. <laughs> well, he's not happy today because he's in the ring with a monster. Andrew Sarkis has brute strength. Andrew Sarkis is a brute. Smilodon is a brute. Brute on brute. Battle of the century. Terrifying, screaming, roaring fight. Smilodon has an advantage because of those long teeth, but Andrew Sarkis has a better advantage because of its jaw strength. With Smilodon, if he bites into something and twists its head, he could snap off his two big sabers very easily, as a matter of fact. So that's the last thing it wants to do is break off those sabers. During a heated battle, chances are very likely that you are going to snap off those sabers. And so you don't want to take on something like Andrew Sarkis. Andrew Sarkis, on the other hand, has no such worries. Listen, man, he's going to grab you and shake you like a rag doll with that big, powerful neck. In my opinion, Andrew Sarkis is going to be the victor in this particular battle simply because Smilodon could potentially lose both of its main weapons very quickly in the battle, and that would be the end of that. All right, T-Rex member Gabe wants to know a battle between Irritator versus Spinosaurus. Two more big giants, two more big dinosaurs. Irritator's from South America, Spinosaurus is from Africa. When these animals meet in the ring, Spinosaurus towers over Irritator. Spinosaurus's size is considerably larger, but Irritator has a little bit of speed on his side. Now, they both have that long, skinny snout with the big teeth, and they both have some pretty nasty weapons on their hands. But I am actually going to go with Irritator in this particular case, Gabe. Here's why. I think Irritator would be fast enough to stay out of the reach of Spinosaurus's jaws. I think Irritator could run circles around him. Spinosaurus cannot turn that gigantic body very quickly. And so I think Irritator, once he gets the opportunity to come around from behind, he's going to go for the throat. And he could certainly grab him as long as it's its lower jaw that's on the bottom of the throat and the upper jaw is on the back of the neck. He's fine because, see, those arms from Spinosaurus could probably almost reach the, his lower neck if it was the other way around. If, if he came in upside down where his head is at the bottom and he's grabbed the Spinosaurus, he may very well get his head torn off by those arms of Spinosaurus. So if Irritator attacks from the side or from above... And remember, yes, he's Spinosaurus is bigger, but all you have to do with the big animals, get it to fall over, trip it up, knock it over, push it down. That thing's going to have a hard time getting up. And that's when you attack. It's going to shock everybody, but I'm giving the fight to Irritator. All right. Cadence sends in Allosaurus versus T-Rex. Oh, Cadence, why did you do this to me? Allosaurus is my favorite dinosaur. And I want so hard to cheat for him. I want to cheat for Allosaurus, but I have to hold up my end of being a responsible podcaster so I'm not allowed to absolutely lie. I would have to say that unfortunately for me and Allosaurus, it is simply overwhelmed by Tyrannosaurus Rex. It is simply too gigantic, too powerful. Yes, Allosaurus could inflict tremendous injuries. But Allosaurus would have to do it about 10 times. T-Rex only has to land one bite. And when he does, that's the end of the battle. My poor Allosaurus. Cadence also said Brachiosaurus versus Dinosaur George. Would you guys stop getting me crushed by all these animals? I have no hope against a Brachiosaurus. Okay, I do have one hope. Here's what happens. The Brachiosaurus spots me. Knows that I'm a threat. Since I'm walking on my back legs, I must be a raptor. And Brachiosaurus is not going to tolerate a meat-eating animal walking around its domain. So Brachiosaurus begins to charge with these gigantic feet. But Brachiosaurus isn't very fast. And I have a secret weapon. That's right, a ladder. I have a ladder. I reach into my backpack and I pull out a ladder. And as I pull the ladder out farther, it ultimately stretches out to 40 feet. 
I lean it against the Brachiosaurus. I crawl up to the top by his head. I get on top of its head. I crawl over to the end of its nose. And then I unleash the ultimate weapon. My deadly underarm power. That's right. Captain Stinko has launched an attack against a Brachiosaurus with his deadly underarm smell. I have only one enemy. Captain Stinko has only one enemy, and that is deodorant. So I would be the victor because the Brachiosaurus would simply leave to another continent. I won. Thank you. All right, let's go to Sean. Sean has Giganotosaurus versus Carcharodontosaurus. Now, these are big dinosaurs. Boy, this is definitely brute on brute. This is bad. This is big. Giganotosaurus is the giant that lived in South America, and Carcharodontosaurus is its cousin that lived in Africa. If these two dinosaurs met, they are pretty well equally matched. Giganotosaurus may have an advantage on length, but I believe Carcharodontosaurus has an advantage on weight. But in the case of these two, this is a pure bite fight. This is a bite fight. They are only going to bite each other. Yes, they have claws, but to use them, they have to be right on top of the other guy. They don't reach out. They can't, be, they can't reach out and use them uh, the way some other dinosaurs could. These dinosaurs are going to be brutal. It's going to be absolutely brutal. Ask me who wins in this particular case. It just depends on who got the first good bite. And when I say good bite, what I mean is not biting a tail, not biting a leg. You got to bite the throat. You got to get to a vital organ, something that will stop the dinosaur from moving. Whoever gets the first bite to the throat wins. I don't know who that would be in this case. I would probably lean towards Carcharodontosaurus only, only because my buddy Owen likes Carcharodontosaurus. That's the only reason why I'm giving this fight to Carcharodontosaurus. To everybody who loves Giganotosaurus, please don't be mad at me. I've just got to call them like I see them. Now, if you would like to submit a who would win, you have to become a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon Club. You have to become a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon Club. You can't just be a club member. You have to be a Tyrannosaurus member. So let me give you some info on that. And the next thing we're going to do is we're going to interview one of our Tyrannosaurus members. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. All right, the greatest fun about having a Patreon Tyrannosaurus club group is I get to interview some of our members. And our next guest is my friend Bennett. Bennett has been a member of the Tyrannosaurus Rex Club. Bennett, how are you doing, buddy? Good. Good. Now, Bennett, how old are you? Five years old. Five years old. Do you have a job yet? No. What? You mean you <laughs> don't have a job? You know, aren't, shouldn't you already have a job somewhere, Bennett? You're already five. Okay. Are you, are you married yet? Okay, I'm just checking, man. I don't know what's going on. I can't. What when I you want to walk out this like the same thing? <laughs> I'm just checking. So, Bennett, you're five years old. And, Bennett, you and your family live in South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great place to find fossils. So, Bennett, do you have any brothers or sisters in your family? No. It's just you. Yeah, I only have cousins. 
That's okay. Do you know how many cousins you have? Do you have a lot or a few? A good few. Only four. That's cool. One lives here and three of mine live in Texas. Oh, that's where I live. Maybe one of these days if you guys, and I think your daddy's from San Antonio, right? Yes. Yes. Well, that's where I live. So maybe if you guys ever come back to San Antonio, Bennett, you and your mom and dad can come by and visit the studio and you can see some really cool fossils. You know, when you and I were getting ready to record this, you noticed that big fish behind me. There's a big fish head back there. He's kind of cool looking, isn't he? Yeah, I agree. All right. So, Bennett, how long have you liked dinosaurs? Like, probably since I was three years old. No kidding. Do you have a favorite kind of dinosaur? Um, probably Dilophosaurus. Oh, I love Dilophosaurus. You know, some people think that's a small dinosaur, but you and I know he's not small. He's pretty big, isn't he? We just listened to that in the car. Oh, so you just listened to, yeah. I think the last podcast I did was Dilophosaurus, right? And he talked about like he didn't, there wasn't any like evidence that it spit that like black venom. At a boy. Good job. It's okay that it was in the movie though. The movie was fun. Did you ever see that movie yet? No. Yeah, it's a little scary. You should wait a little bit longer. When you get a little bit older and you watch I it. I only watched like one second of it. It was way scary. Yeah, I totally get it. I know what you mean. I know I'm scared. I was so scared. I had to sleep with my mom and dad for three days. Okay, that's not true because I was 35 years old when that happened. So... <laughs> So you like Dilophosaurus. Now, when you heard my podcast, did the things you learn, did that, did that make you change your mind? Do you still like him or do you not like him as much? Well, like, I do like him, but um, I used to like Spinosaurus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like Spinosaurus, too. Now, that's a big dinosaur, isn't it? I know your favorite dinosaur is Allosaurus. Who told you that? I don't want to be a podcast. What? <laughs> How do you know my business, kid? <laughs> you sneaky little kid. What's going to be next? You know my credit card number, my social security number? No. <laughs> I, I love Allosaurus. When I was as young as you, you said you're 25, right? No, when I was fifty-five. You're fifty-five. Okay. No. When I was fifty. No, I am five. Oh, why did you say so? So, <laughs> when I was as young as you, I loved Allosaurus the most. I didn't even know what Dilophosaurus was when I was as young as you. So my favorite was Allosaurus. I didn't even know who Dilophosaurus was. So do you remember with Dilophosaurus? Do you ever see pictures of it with those weird things on top of its head? No. I only know it as those things. They're probably like two crests. Yeah, they're I crests. I know they don't poop. Good job. Or they're theropods. At a boy. That's a big word. Bennett, you're very smart for your age. I'm very proud of you, Bennett. You That's... eat meat, probably. Maybe lizards. Right. Lizards. Fish. Waffles. Waffles? Waffles? Okay. I don't think Dilophosaurus was eating waffles, Bennett. Why? Why did you say he eats waffles? I did not. Only you. It wasn't me. It's probably your mom. She's always saying waffles. No. Gosh. Now, let me ask you this. I know you like Dilophosaurus, and you said you used to like Spinosaurus. What about some of the other animals that are not dinosaurs? Do you like any of them? Well, I do like pterosaurs. Oh, I love pterosaurs. I love them very much. And did you get to be in the class when I did a lesson on pterosaurs? Yep. Do you remember some of those real giant ones? You may not remember their names, but you remember how big some of them were? Mm-hmm. 
You know, most people, Bennett, think pterosaurs were small, but you know different, right? Quetzalcoatlus is big. I can't believe you know how to pronounce his name. Why not? Like the biggest dinosaur, I mean, dinosaur names I know. That's a great, that's a big name. How did you learn that name? <laughs> Just watch the show. Well, that's. <laughs> and they told me that it was Quetzalcoatlus. Well, I can't believe you can still pronounce it. So you like Quetzalcoatlus? What about just animals that are alive today? Do you like dogs or cats or things like that? I like Komodo dragon. Ooh, would you like a pet Komodo dragon? No. I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I would not want a pet. You want a pet dinosaur? <laughs> what kind of a kid are you? You're not going to have 81 dinosaurs as pets, child. Just kidding. I don't want 81 fossils. I don't know how big your house is, but 81 dinosaurs is a lot. (laughs) Now, when I was talking to you, did a dog, did I see a dog walk by? Oh, yeah. What is your dog's name? Matt. We named him after macaroni and cheese. You named your dog Mac? Out of yeah. ma- out from macaroni and cheese? <laughs> yeah, one day I ate macaroni and cheese and I was just maybe not with the name of a dog Mac for short. Well, I'm glad it didn't eat a pineapple because its name would be pineapple. <laughs> I need to lean back because I'm stuck. You're leaning back because you're stuck? Yeah. What, did your mom put you in one of those restraint chairs? <laughs> no. Has she got you in a straight jacket? No. Well, I bet she owns one. All right. (laughs) Listen, Bennett, in about 20 years, you're going to be dying laughing at some of these jokes I'm telling. All right. Here's one joke that I got. What do you call a sleeping dinosaur? I don't know. What do you call a sleeping dinosaur? A dino snore. Knock (laughs) it off, kid. (laughs) What kind of joke is that? Well, that's a great dinosaur. I've never heard of a dinosaurus before. He's not a dinosaur. It's only a dinosaur joke. Oh, okay. It's a dinosaur joke. All right. Now I'm going to ask you a super hard question, Bennett. Oh. What would you like to be when you grow up? Do you know yet? I'm a Billy Dodd Simon wants to be one. Probably Jack wants to be one. Well, I bet you would make a good paleontologist. Maybe you can come to work for me. Would you like to work for me as a paleontologist? (laughs) Okay, if you want to be a paleontologist, Bennett, raise your hand and repeat after me, okay? I promise. I promise. To be a good reader. To be a good reader. And use good manners. (laughs) Use good manners. And work for minimum wage. We're on wage. Okay, that's a contract where I'm from. All right, buddy. That makes you an official employee. You now work for me, Bennett. So you are an employee. So now, when you go out and you dig up fossils, your job is to make sure mom or dad sends me pictures so I can help you identify them. And you and I will start a collection of dinosaurs. And maybe one day, when I get to come to South Carolina, Maybe I'll get to meet you or you come to Texas. Either way, I hope I get to meet you. Here's my last question for you, Bennett. Have you ever been to a museum where they had dinosaur bones? Yep. There was only like a few dinosaur bones. Were there? One of the closest museums I to you. I saw or a tylosaur. Oh, that. nice. Is a tylosaur a dinosaur or a cousin? Cousin. At a boy. It's a marine reptile. There you go. It's a marine. Re- it was oh, in the it was in Cretaceous. That's right. So it was a marine. It was in the Marines. Yep. Wait a minute. Did <laughs> it wear? Did it? Did it wear a uniform? No. Well, you no. said it was a marine. No. 
No, that means it lives in the water. Wait, Marines live in the water? <laughs> no. The... Oh, boy. I almost fell. Well, you have me so confused. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> All right. So I want to tell you something. When things get normal with the virus, mom and dad, um, I know it would be a drive, but there is a magnificent museum in North Carolina. I don't remember what it's called, but they have whale skeletons hanging from the ceiling, but they also have a lot of good dinosaur related stuff. So if you guys want to take a road trip someday, that would be a place that you may want to go. That'll be like the third time. Really? Because we went to like that place to see snow. Nice. Did you see snow? Yep. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Well, I even forgot how to make snowballs, but it's better with my hands instead of gloves on Nice. But I am cold. Don't you wish they would make the snow hot? No. Wouldn't no, it be better, though, if it was hot? No. I yeah. wish it would just be cold. Cold? What, are you from the North Pole? No. Are you a penguin? <laughs> no. Are you a polar bear? Only like a stuffed animal named Bear is from the North Pole. Wait, you have a stuffed animal from the North Pole? Yeah. Wait, aren't you the kid that has a Komodo dragon as a pet? No, I don't. Don't you, you a, don't you have a Don't you have a dog named Spaghetti and Meatballs? No. Heard you say on one of the other podcasts, though. Not up the Jamal's hand Exactly. <laughs> well, Bennett, do you have some questions you would like to ask me? Yes. What did you like to ask? No. Um. So, how? When did you start looking dinosaurs? You know, Bennett, the first time I ever got to go digging up fossils, I was probably about 22 or 23 years old. And the first place I went was a place in Utah a friend of mine had. And that's when I started. But I started liking dinosaurs when I was as young as you. When I was like four or five, that's when I loved them the most. So that's it. I started when I was, I started digging when I was about in my 20s. All right, you got another question? Yeah. Um, Did you want to ask one of your other questions? You gave me this list. Let's see. You wanted to know... Dinosaur George versus Carcaridontosaurus. I threw you in a light. <laughs> you naughty little kid. I pressed the wrong button. You naughty little kid. You're going to throw me in with the Carcaridontosaurus? <laughs> Yes, and my next fight will be instead an Eoraptor versus Dinosaur George. Stop feeding me to the dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, now for the rest of my bike, I'm adding you in them. All right, so I'm going to ask your first. You're going to. I'm going to answer your first one. Carcharodontosaurus versus me. All right, now Carcharodontosaurus is bigger. He's got bigger yeah. teeth and claws. But I have a secret weapon. <laughs> Your stinky power. I have the power of the stinky underarms. <laughs> <laughs> I can gas out the Carcharodontosaurus. But why don't you gas out yourself? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I never thought about that. <laughs> so, if I, so I get in the ring with this dinosaur. I raise up my arm to stink him out. And I wipe myself out with my own stink. <laughs> well, that's just great, kid. You just had me eaten by a Carcharodontosaurus, and I stunk myself out with my superpower. <laughs> Bennett, you have what is called an infectious laugh. You have been so much fun. I have had so much fun interviewing you. Did you have a good time doing this? A few more questions. Oh, no kidding. Well, hey, let me, don't let me run you off yet. All right, tell me another question. <laughs> what was the first ornithopod to be discovered? Wow, the first ornithopod would have been uh, Iguanodon, right? Iguanodon would have been the first ornithopod. 
I think that's the answer. Yeah, iguanodon. That's the plant eater who had the sharp thumb spike, had a yeah. very sharp spike on his thumb. Yeah, uh, that would have been the first ornithopod. Would have been, I'm, I'm almost sure that's the first one. That's a very good question. That's an excellent question, Bennett. I'd ha- I had to stop and think about that one. What is another okay. one of your questions? Have you got another one? You can do, you can do one more. You can do one more? Okay. Sure. We got like a few. No. <laughs> one more. Um, do you want to ask about the first pedestal or the first stegosaur? First stegosaur. Which was the first stegosaur ever found? Or which was the first one that existed? Uh, wow. I, I, I would have to look and see. I'm going to guess that maybe it was Hyungosaurus, which is from Asia. I think he's, I think he's before Stegosaurus Stenops, the one we all think about. So I want to say that the first Stegosaur may have appeared in Asia. So yeah, maybe so. That's a great question, Bennett. Well, wow. the, um, first Tyrannosaur to be discovered. The first Tyrannosaur to be discovered? Mm-hmm. Well, that would have had to be Tyrannosaurus Rex. Unless they came up with the name Tyrannosaur that they gave to other dinosaurs. I'm going to have to think about that one, too. Bennett, you ask really good questions. <laughs> See, Tyrannosaur is in the family. Tyrannosaur is a family. The Tyrannosaurs are a family, and there's a bunch of dinosaurs in that family. And so, who was the very first one discovered? I don't know. Okay, here's another, like, I'll probably have time for it. So, Brillantaurus versus Dinosaur George. (laughs) I wouldn't last two seconds, you rotten kid. (laughs) Why why are you feeding me to dinosaurs? What did I do to you? Oh, Bennett, you're too much. All right, well, Bennett, since you're trying to get me fed to the dinosaurs, which I appreciate, I hope you had a good time. Make sure to tell Mom and Daddy thank you for for setting this up so I was able to interview you. Your interview will come out soon. Please make sure to tell your dog, uh, what's his name, Uh, uh, Peanut Butter and Jelly? You can see his butt right here. Oh, well, thanks for showing me your dog's rear end. That's great. I see it. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Right. So uh, this this lesson, um, this interview will end with an image of a dog's rear sticking <laughs> in the camera. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mac and Cheese, for dropping in and saying hi. Thank you, Bennett, for throwing me to a dinosaur and me having to die on my own stinky underarms. <laughs> Bennett, you need to go out and get yourself a job because you're too old to be living off of your parents. And I hope you meet a nice girl and get married at least by the age of six so that you don't waste too much time. Would you like to say anything to all of the people all over the world that are listening, Bennett? What would you like to say to everybody? I can't think of anything really. What would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome, Bennett. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this podcast episode on Therizinosaurus. My thanks to everybody who uh, listens. And I appreciate if you would share with all your friends about the podcast. We have people in over 50 countries listening to our podcast, and I welcome all of you. If any of you would like to become a Patreon Club member, you can live anywhere in the world and be a member. We accept anybody from anywhere on earth if they would like to be a Patreon Club member. If you'd like to, go to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com, and you can see information about the Patreon Club there. Remember, if you would like to submit a question on who would, um, I'm sorry, if you would like to submit a Ask Dinosaur George question, You can either go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page on my website, or you can go to Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, and you could submit your question through there. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you. Remember to be nice to everybody. The world is such a better place if we are nice to each other. So let's lead the world and how we react and treat people, okay? Take care, my little friends, and I'll see you soon.
Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.